Welcome to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. This episode is part two of a three-part series on animals. The summer library program theme this year is Tales and Tales. So we asked some of the employees here at MLC to talk about their favorite animals or pets and maybe share their favorite book, which features an animal. Today is all about man's best friend, the dog. Have you ever heard of a dog that can shift gears in a car? What about a dog that enjoys a mentholated cough drop? Have you ever wondered why so many poodles ask for the same haircut? Tune in to hear these stories, answers, and more in this episode of Stacks and Stories. Hey, my name is Charlie Simpkins, and I'm the digital consultant here at the Mississippi Library Commission. I'm usually one of the behind-the-scenes people on the Stacks and Stories podcast, but today I want to share with you my love for our four-legged friend, the dog. You may have heard them called man's best friend. Is it because they were the first domesticated animals? Is it because they will stick by your side in times of prosperity or times of extreme hardship? I don't know, but I do know that I want to pet them all. Here are a few facts about pooches that I find amazing. Much like a person's fingerprint is unique, so is a dog's nose print. So if you have multiple dogs and discover one of them graffitied a freshly cleaned window but didn't sign their name, you can always call in a forensic team to nose print them. That's just silly. While a poodle's haircut seems like a fashion statement, it's actually a continuing of tradition from when they were first bred as water dogs. The long hair was left on their chest and head to keep organs warm in cold water, and ankle hair was left to protect from rheumatism. Since their thick coat can become so heavy when wet, other areas were shorn to keep them afloat. Just like how we have a preferred dominant hand, some studies indicate dogs have a preferred front paw. I believe my dog Walden is right pawed because he tends to use his right paw to hold his toys more often and paw at me when he wants or needs my attention. Also, Dogs have the mental abilities close to a two to two and a half year old human child. They can learn on average 165 words and tops out at about 250. This must be why I have to spell words like ball, walk, outside, and chicken around Walden. One of my favorite books about dogs is Can I Be Your Dog by Troy Cummings, published in 2018. It is the heart-tugging tale of Artie, a stray dog who is looking for his forever home. The story is told through letters he writes to different residents on Butternut Street asking, Can I be your dog? And their responses. Will Arfie find his forever home? And if so, can you guess who adopts him? With beautiful, colorful illustrations and a sweet ending, what's not to like about this story? If you enjoyed Can I Be Your Dog by Troy Cummings, be sure to check out the sequel, I Found a Kitty, where we continue on Arfie's adventure. This time, he's trying to help a feline friend. My name is Lawrence Smith. I work with the Mississippi Library Commission. I'm the patent librarian here. And I'm going to give you a short story of my love for dogs. I um, had a lab uh, back, say, about maybe 15 years ago. My uh, lab name was, was Junior, the first name that we gave him. But uh, like three or four days afterwards, we found out that he loved money. <laughs> he would he would come and take money and put it in his bed. So what I did, what I started doing was, I would put money down where he could reach it, 
and get it and see what he was doing with it. So I found out that he was putting it in his bed. My son changed the name from Junior to Money. But my dog was stolen. So I never got another one. So right now we're still without a dog and I am sad. <laughs> my favorite book in my childhood days was Charlotte Webb. And I love Charlotte Webb because they, it had a good ending where Charlotte and Wilbert all got back together. Hi, I'm Miranda Vaughn, Reference and Archives Librarian at the Mississippi Library Commission, and I love animals. I love the zoo. <laughs> I'm 30 years old, or 32 years old, and I still love the zoo. I don't think I'll ever get too old for the zoo. Some of my favorite childhood memories were spent at the Memphis Zoo or the Jackson Zoo. So I love animals, and instead of narrowing down my favorite animals, I thought I'd tell you about one animal that was very special to me. In 2016, after my grandmother had just passed away and my family was in mourning, my parents and I decided it would be a good idea to get a family dog. We were always fond of Boston Terriers, so when we found a young Boston for sale nearby, we jumped at the chance to bring him home. He was a little older than a puppy, but he quickly became my baby, and his name was Louie. Now, one of my favorite things about getting a pet is getting to name them, and while I could have changed his name, I didn't want to confuse him since he was already used to that name from his previous owners, so I decided that as his primary caretaker, it was my job to give him his full name. So in true dramatic Miranda fashion, I named him King Louis Mowgli Baloo. And yes, whenever he misbehaved, I called him by his full name. You may recognize those names from the Disney movie, The Jungle Book, which is based on an actual book by Rudyard Kipling. The Jungle Book is a collection of stories that centers around a boy named Mowgli who was raised by wolves in the forests of India. There's no King Louie like in the movie, so clearly Disney took some creative liberties there. But there is a bear named Baloo and a panther named Bagheera who teach Mowgli important lessons regarding the laws of the jungle and often have to save him from the claws of the dangerous tiger named Shere Khan. The Jungle Book was written in 1894 at the height of British imperialism in India, so readers may sense echoes of political sentiment from that time period from the British but Indian-born Kipling. I enjoy it for the fables and for the language used. In the same way that The Lion King uses language that aligns with African culture, The Jungle Book uses names and terms that align with Indian culture, which I think is a great way to introduce children to non-American cultures, even if it is through the lens of a Victorian-era British man. Through Mowgli's life lessons on the laws of the jungle, we see the importance of having healthy relationships with our neighbors, whether they are mischievous monkeys or cunning panthers. Everyone has their place in the jungle. Hi, I'm Mary Rogers Beal, and I am the director of the Mississippi Talking Book Services here at the Mississippi Library Commission. I just want to give a little fun story about my dog, Scout. So Scout actually has only lived with me for a little bit less than a year, and his previous owners usually had um, other dogs, and they didn't really snuggle with him. 
So in this past couple of months, we've been teaching him how to snuggle. So we have our routine at night where, you know, he goes outside and then we go into my room and um, he'll get on the bed. And when he first moved in, he would just like sleep at the end or, you know, just stay at the end of the bed. And then now he'll actually snuggle right up next to me. And I feel like we've progressed a lot. And, you know, now he actually will snuggle next to me without me calling him next to me. But then whenever I turn off the light, he just gets right into his bed. My favorite book from childhood that features an animal is called Stella Luna by Janelle Cannon. Like, I remember reading this book, you know, when I was little and learning how to read, and it's just really stuck with me through my life. And what it's about is a bat who gets separated from their mother, and so it shows Stella Luna um, falling into a nest and learning how birds, you know, eat during the day and fly during the day and all and they don't sleep hanging upside down so Stella Luna like adopts the birds behaviors and then Stella Luna gets separated from the birds and ends up finding Stella Luna's family and I hope that wasn't a spoiler but it's been out since 1993 so it's a good book I think everybody should read it even as adults you know it just shows like you can find your place in the world, whether it's, you know, with your family or with a new family or, you know, a one that you pick yourself in a way. But I just really love Stella Luna and I feel like it's held up over the years too, which is always good. It just brought back a lot of memories reading it again (laughs) for today. Hi everyone, I'm Kayla Martin-Gant and I'm the Continuing Education Coordinator here at MLC, which means I have at least a hand in all of the training workshops and webinars that come out of MLC if I'm not like doing them myself. I love all kinds of animals from like the super cool majestic ones like wolves and jellyfish and owls to the not so majestic ones like pangolins and naked mole rats and fainting goats and of course pugs. Most of you probably know pugs as those walking wrinkles that look like they smashed into a window and got stuck that way, but you wouldn't be that far off the mark. But did you know that pugs are often actually really, really smart? Well, my pug is very smart. To me, anyway. He's also extremely sneaky for something that kind of looks like a potato with legs. So Roman, like many dogs, he will eat just about anything he can get a hold of. He was the runt of the litter and we didn't do like a really good job of breaking him of bad habits when he was a puppy. So he's very, very protective over anything he considers food or remnants of food. And he also loves menthol cough drops. So one night I'm in bed working on my laptop and he's stretched out along the side of my leg, which is pretty usual. He's also wiggling in a way that indicates he's like licking his paws like crazy, which is also pretty usual. So I assume he's just doing that. He does that very frequently. And then I hear this loud crack and it startles me because I thought he'd like cracked one of his nails in half or something. It wouldn't surprise me if he had, but I wasn't expecting it. So I reach down under the comforter to pet him. And when I get near his mouth, he starts growling and trying to bite at me, which startles me even more because I definitely was not expecting that. So I yanked my hand away and pulled the covers back to look him over and I was petting him so he'd get comfortable and I couldn't see anything wrong which is really confusing and I yanked the covers back even further so I can like check for blood or something right except what I find isn't blood or half bitten nail or anything like that it's a menthol cough drop that must have fallen out of my husband's pocket in the laundry room and Roman had been licking it and clearly trying to like subtly work the wrapper off I held him back with one hand while I made a grab for it and then threw it away, but y'all, I laughed for like 10 straight minutes, because that's not good behavior, obviously, but it is hilarious. He saw an opportunity and he took it. 
So I want to tell you about a better pug, a significantly more well-behaved pug. This is Thunder Pug by Kim Norman. It's illustrated by Keika Yamaguchi. We have Percy the pug and Petunia the pig. They are best friends. Until Petunia wins a blue ribbon at the county fair, and then suddenly she has no time for hide-and-seek or lapping at puddles or hanging out with Percy at all. So then Percy finds a faded comic book in a puddle, and the lonely pug dons a cape and takes on a new persona, Thunder Pug. Even though being a superhero is exciting, Percy knows he's missing something, and only when Pink Lightning, aka Petunia, joins him, and the two are side-by-side kick again are they truly living the heroic life. And maybe one day I will be able to get my pug to tie on a little cape and be cute. Who knows? We'll see. Hello. I'm Matt Bunton, and I am a consultant here at the Mississippi Library Commission. I'm here to talk about fur friends. I am a long, long time pet parent, as I prefer to call it. I've had puppy dogs of all ages. There's always been such an animal uh, in my my life, and I wouldn't say animal because really I, I think of them as members of the family. So what I wanted to talk to you today about, though, was uh, one of these members of my family in particular, and his name was Badness. But please don't think anything bad about that. I called him Bad for short. He wasn't bad. He wasn't mean. He just got into things. And the reason why he got into things a lot, because he was so big. When he slimmed down from 120 pounds to 110 pounds. This was huge, people. Huge. But he was so funny because he always thought he was so small. And we would be in my car. He could shift the car into neutral faster than anybody I've ever seen in my life because he wanted to be in the passenger seat. And he would go across the instrumentation panel in the middle, which is where the T-shift was, by the way, to put his head in my lap. And all of a sudden, we're going nothing. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, but he was just the sweetest thing really ever. And he thought he was a lap puppy. And he was, you know, as I say, 110 pounds after he slimmed down. But, you know, sometimes, you know, you just got to cuddle. So we did the lap puppy thing occasionally, but not while driving. Not while driving. He never got his driver's license, so we did not do that. But in any event, he was just had such personality. And, and the reason why I called him badness is because for some reason before he got big, he could get in the crawl space underneath the house and actually get out from the backyard into the front. The good news is he didn't ever go far. He wanted to be near home. But it's very frustrating when you look out and all of a sudden your puppy is on the front porch. But, yeah, I've always had... Uh, pets but I have no intent of actually reading this book but I did bring a book because this is all about you know reading and literacy and everything so he always reminded me of Clifford so I have a copy of of Clifford the big red dog in front of me you know Clifford gets into trouble too because of his size it's not you know that he's mean or anything it's just he's so big and he doesn't really realize how big he is which was very much like bad to me in my life i'm sure my car listed to one side because of you know all of this weight in the passenger seat but anyway and you know and i i had to adapt to a dog 
that I had no idea he was going to get to be that size. I thought, you know, 70, 80 pounds, you know? And I'm 30, 40 more pounds makes a huge difference, people. Huge. And he was just, oh, my God. But he was so sweet and so loving. <laughs> and I miss him. Like, I miss all of my little furry pet friends, families, you know, and I've had lots of them. But uh, I thought, you know, wh- which one actually makes you think of a book, you know? And that's the correlation with me because of the absolute size. I mean, this dog was massive. People saw him, and oh, by the way, he was a black lab. And, you know, people think mean automatically, and they shouldn't. I mean, people would literally go out of their way, you know, to not get near this dog when we were out walking because he was so big and and black. And I'm like, y'all just don't know. You come into the house, and he just lets you have anything you wanted. (laughs) He, He was that sweet. You know, there's just nothing fierce about this dog at all. But, yeah, I couldn't convince people. So that was on them, not on me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Stacks and Stories, the podcast of the Mississippi Library Commission. We hope you will tune in next time as we talk all about exotic and interesting animals, and we encourage you to visit your local public library often.